0: So call 877-714-1318 and discover the foundation's recovery network difference today.
1: This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to Silver Guy Radio. Yo,
0: what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to Humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. Uh, You can check out Humans Music at DasHumans.com. That's D-A-S-Humans.com. Also check them out on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Love those guys. Thanks for supporting the show. And um, also a special shout out this week to uh, Matt over at XVX Straight Edge Vegan Apparel for supporting the show. He showed us some love on Instagram. We've connected a couple times. So they have some really cool shirts and gear inspired inspired from vegan straight edge and a vegan edge lifestyle. And you can check those guys out at xvxapparel.tmill.com and uh, also on Instagram at xvxapparel.com. And we'll put all this in the show notes for you guys, too. So if you want to go there after the episode, you can find all the links that we talk about in today's show uh, in the show notes page. Um, We got a great guest today. I'm stoked to talk with him about overall health, uh, fitness, uh, fitness and health and recovery and how staying in shape both physically and mentally is definitely a crucial way uh, to live a better life. Uh, Before we do that, I have a couple more announcements and we'll jump right into that Uh, Be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can get past episodes there resources You can also check out the private facebook group sober guy sober girl Um, You can connect with others in there that are trying to stay sober big shout out to the big homie cormick all the way out in ireland He's helping uh uh, create some good conversation and and look after the Sober Guy, Sober Girl group. So much love to him. Check that out. Just go on there. Go on Facebook and search Sober Guy, Sober Girl, and we'll get you added in there. Um, I'm putting together a podcast video course Uh, with some top professionals and also some of my closest homies in the recovery community. It's called How to Navigate the First 90 Days of Sobriety. Uh, I know that was a tough thing for me. Um, I actually wore Wranglers for the first time ever in my life for some reason when I got fresh out of rehab and I had no fucking clue who I was. And I had a hard time navigating around the first 90 days. So uh, it's kind of why I thought it'd be a great opportunity to put something like this together for you guys. If you're interested in being notified as soon as the new course goes live on September 1st, You can go to thatsoberguy.com slash courses, and uh, you can sign up there to receive updates. And there's also a quick video on there you can watch for more info. All right. The big announcement today, and then we're going to get to our guest today. I'm super fucking pumped about, um, or that I'm just really pumped about to announce, is that we have an official launch date of July 17th for the new weekly Tuesday Sober Guy show with the big homie Seth Mantor hosting. Uh, Seth and I are best buds. Uh, We go way back to, uh, I think we met in the fifth grade, actually, in the days of mullets, stealing our parents' beer at backyard barbecues. We prank called people, uh, liquor stores, restaurants. Man, we did all all kinds of fun things as kids. And then as we got older, we started smoking blunts out of bongs and competing to see who could drink the most whiskey and snort the biggest lines of cocaine without dying. And thankfully, both of us are still alive today, and uh, we both eventually decided to get sober. Seth had the balls to do it first and uh, was really instrumental in paving the way for me me to get the help I needed. Uh, so it's really an honor. I'm super proud to have Seth join the Sober Guy Network. So a big congrats to him. And if you want to reach out to him directly with any questions or to just say congrats, uh, you can do that at Seth at soberguy.com. I also want to thank Mel and Jess for their new roles as PR and event coordinators on the Sober Guy team. They're going to be a crucial part of us being able to reach out to more people and expand the Sober Guy platform through live shows, events, all that good stuff. Um, last but not least, if, uh, if you have any questions or you need help, you can contact Foundations Recovery Network at 877-714-1318. They have residential and outpatient facilities, and they can provide you a confidential assessment and review the best treatment options for your situation. Once again, that's 877-714-1318. And I know I said last but not least, but I forgot one thing here. We do have some Uh, Live shows we're going to be announcing Which I'm like I've been waiting to do this For a long time and so we're going to be doing some Shows in uh, Northern California area Basically a punk rock show but Take away the music and add a cool ass Podcast in there with some awesome guests So there'll be live interaction, uh, Q&A All that good stuff, stay tuned for those dates All right, now I can Shut the fuck up and talk to our our good homie Marv today who's coming to us from San Diego one rep at a time uh, we connected a while back and it's great to connect with him again uh, Marv make sure you hit the unmute button which it looks like you've already done what's up what's man? Up? How, yeah you're there how,
1: how are you what's up Shane what's up listeners my name is Marv uh, full name is Chris Marvin but I go by Marv because there's too many Chris's and I've got to be terminally unique
0: <laughs> of course man you got to change it up a little bit right absolutely yeah, man. So, uh, no, it's good. Good. You reached out before we started recording today. I mentioned, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is all about timing and I, I, I never think God's timing, uh, is, is imperfect. It's always perfect. It's so good to have you on today. Um, I want to hear a little bit about your background. We're going to jump into that, but I got a, I got a fucking weird question for you right off the bat. And I was going to do this in a monologue episode. And I said, you know what, what the hell? I'm just going to ask Marv today and see what he says. So loofah or bar soap? That's what I want to know today. Lufa or bar soap?
1: Lufa all the way, brother. <laughs> I, love I got it, a man. nice bright green one, and that <laughs> just so happens to be one of my, my company's colors. So I got to be nice. color-coordinated. That's yeah. awesome. Got
0: to match, dude. <laughs> and the only the only reason I asked that, man, I've been having this weird conversation in my head. I used to use like Irish spring as a kid and like, like, uh, was it dove gold or whatever? And as I got older, I got into using the loofah and like, like old spice, I think the gel I've used that for years. And all of a sudden, man, I bought this, like this great bar of Harry's bar soap, no plug on them, but it's, it smells fucking delicious. And like, I'm like, dude, why did I ever switch over to, uh, uh, to the gel, I'm going back to the bar soap, man. So I'm just digging it. I don't know, maybe maybe it's like a uh, a, a a phase I'm going through, but I'm sticking with the bar soap, man. We, we we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that one.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Sounds good. <laughs> so
0: what's up with you, man? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How long you have been in recovery, and then uh, we'll we'll go from there and talk about one rep at a time, man.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we could do the full rundown, like my a brief version of my whole story. Do you want that for the listeners, or what do you want?
0: Well. I mean, it kind of says, you know, I kind of was reading some of your bio and stuff and Mm yeah, you you have a, um, a, uh, a fitness background and even, even, uh, saying in here, it's like a stereotypical gym bro type of thing. So, um, I don't know if, if that comes before the alcohol and, and the addiction issues or after, or maybe start there.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. So, well, yeah, addiction came before. So, um, Long like my first drug of choice was your validation because even as a kid, like I felt insecure, felt less than my peers, I didn't fit in, I felt ostracized. So I needed validation to feel okay about myself. Somehow um I became so insecure even as a young child, like I essentially hated myself. I don't think I came out of the womb that way, but I learned that behavior at such a young age, it like became my natural state of being. So first drug of choice was your validation. Uh my first escape from reality was daydreaming. And I had two daydreams like the first set totally legit. The second set shows where I had some weird thought patterns long before I picked up a drink or a drug and then used fitness to become a new addiction down the line. So like, I'm sure you relate Shane, like young boy, I want to be big buff, good at sports, ride a motorcycle, get all the girls like, you know, stereotypical, (laughs) right? Like everybody does that. Then I had a second set of daydreams and at first it looked like normal and then it gets twisted. So the second set of daydreams went. Life would be good if I could be the star quarterback in high school, which no big dish, no, no big issue. I was super unathletic. I got picked on a lot, right? Like I was a bench warmer, so I'd wear tearaway pants, but I never had to tear them away, so they're just pants, <laughs> you know, type of a deal. Uh, <laughs> life would be great if I could be the star quarterback in high school and throw a touchdown on homecoming night to win the game. Again, no big issue. Yeah. Here's where it gets jacked up. Life would be perfect if I could be the star quarterback in high school, throw the game-winning touchdown in homecoming night, get smacked by the defensive lineman, be paralyzed, and have to be carted off the field on a stretcher into an ambulance with the crowd chanting my name and the girls in the stands crying. Now, mm-hmm. if I could be paralyzed at 18 years old, life would be perfect. And I kid you not, I would reenact that with my football helmet, my beanbag chair, my stuffed Bugs Bunny. I'd, like, lay on my floor as a kid for like 10 minutes, like picturing, all right, now they're putting me in the stretcher. Now they're putting me in the units And that's like not normal.
0: Yeah. So you had like these grandiose, like visions of, um, of what you just described. And what do you think you're looking for in that when you look back now, like just the, the love, the attention, like people caring, like people wanting to help. Um, cause that's a pretty yeah. big vision to have as a kid.
1: Right. So I learned in treatment, which we'll eventually get to I love to play the victim because when I play the victim and feel sorry for myself, I then feel entitled to do whatever the bleep I've got to do to feel yeah. better. And because I was raised in a very strict, high expectation, religious household to feel better went against everything I was raised with. So I needed to feel entitled to do that.
0: Yeah. You don't have to say bleep. You can say fuck by the way, if you want. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> <I'm just playing. laughs> yeah, dude, that's a trip though. That's, um, You know, like when you when you look back and and, dude, the victim thing, man, how many of us like go through that, like the victim mentality, man, I was caught in that for so many years. And um, I, you know, I even think that it's it's really a, a big issue in our society today as a whole when we look at a lot of different things is that victim mentality. So you had to come to terms with that and pick yourself up and start to figure out, you know, what the issue was. So where does it go? Um, after a kid having these daydreams, these visions of this stuff, as you get into high school, like, what does that look like?
1: Um, well, I started having major health issues, like a bunch of surgeries in middle school. I get to high school. And, um, like I said, with that validation, right? Like I always use something or someone to identify myself by. So in high school it became good grades. And then on my 17th birthday, um, at my birthday party, I had a horrible accident, which left me with a head injury. Uh snap wrist, broken back, torn rotator cuff, broken collarbone, and I was in the ICU for a while. Wow. And when I woke up, I didn't know my middle name. I had to do a bunch of speech therapy. I got picked on because of the nature of the accident. It's on film because Jackass was big in high school, right? So we filmed it. <laughs> yeah. And what happens is, is I bomb a hill on a little like Hot Wheel scooter, which is like a Razor scooter, but I couldn't even get name brand. <laughs> and I tried to jump some wooden pallets, and I clipped it, and I go flying, and I smack against, you know, concrete with no helmet or nothing. And oh, wow. It was all bad. So uh, overnight, I went from a straight-A AP student, good grades were my identity at that point, to, you know, getting put down into, you know, they're about ready to put me in remedial class. I can't keep up. I'm having a hard time. I'm getting picked on because that's like – in high school, man, that is like the ultimate dorky way to almost kill yourself, you know?
0: <laughs> Especially like, get it on video too, huh?
1: <laughs> oh, exactly. I've watched it once, man, never again. Oh, man, um, yeah. I don't. I have no recollection of the accident. I have no recollection of – most of my childhood memory was wiped clean, so it's interesting that I remember the daydreaming part. So that's mm-hmm. a trip. And that's when I found uh, drugs and alcohol uh, because I was playing the victim and feeling sorry for myself. I fell into a deep depression, and I remember – I still had my arm cast on from the first. I ended up having three surgeries on my wrist and it's still jacked up. Um, I had my arm cast on and I vaguely remember being drunk for my first time ever, uh, leaning out the the car window of a friend like singing. And like I knew I was going to have a problem. But in my head, it wasn't like, oh, shit, this is going to be a problem. It was like this solves everything. Hmm. You know, like,
0: go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say it almost kind of reverts back to that, to that kind of like vision that you envisioned before. Like you're kind of, even though it wasn't exactly the same as, as the vision, it was the same concept. And so now you can jump into that victim mentality.
1: hundred percent, dude, that was a green fucking light, man. It was like, go for it. So then my new identity became how messed up can I get on drugs and alcohol? And I'm graduating to harder substances before I, I graduate high school. I'm skipping class, which I'd never done before, hmm. you know, you know, hanging with the druggies. Um, and yeah, man, that just, you know, I just fed it. And that's when my addiction started at 17 years old. And instead of letting my brain heal, I'm like, let's get high and loaded every single yeah. day, man. Blackout drinker from the beginning, smoked a lot of herb, did a lot of cocaine, started dabbling with meth, all that stuff. Hmm. Yeah, man, that's crazy.
0: Um, were you were you pretty much every day uh, for the most part, or were, were, or were you functioning though? You were a functioning user. Somewhat.
1: I thought so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought so. But obviously, it wasn't enough because uh, high school teachers told my parents, so my parents drug tested me, and I it was one of those at home kits, and I failed for every single one. It was like a six <laughs> drug test, you know, six part drug yeah. test, and I one was positive. So they're like, you can't go away to college. You got to stay local. So I went to San Diego State University, which I'm sure you know, was a huge party school in the mid-2000s. Yeah. Yeah. So great environment for a buddy (laughs) alcoholic addict. Yeah. So I I last a year there before they asked me to take my services elsewhere, which is a fancy way of saying I flunked out.
0: Yeah. And so,
1: you know, so I tell my parents again, they drug test me, same thing, fail for everything possible because I had one of those drug blowout binges, you know, like I'm gonna get clean and sober tomorrow, so let's do all the drugs tonight. <laughs> like end up, like yeah. let's celebrate, you know? Yeah. It's ridiculous that we do. So I went to my first outpatient program at nineteen and then shortly after that is when uh fitness came into my life and working out.
0: Got it. Got it. So how, how has that been a huge part or how did that start is to kind of help you? I mean, did you, did you literally wake up one day and say, Hey, um, I'm going to get some help. And then did you go into a treatment center? Did you do 12 step or did you just start hitting the gym and kind of, were you able to do it on your own? Like, what did that look like?
1: Oh no, man. So, uh, I went to the outpatient program. They introduced me to the concepts of a 12 step meeting. Um, I went to one meeting and it was a closed meeting and I didn't know what that was. So somebody identified as the other, it was the other fellowship being their problem. They didn't identify that means they asked him to leave. So I was like right there. That is why I don't belong here. So I was looking for the differences. Yeah. So, um, I am grateful for that outpatient program because it got me off cocaine and meth, right? Because I had done like the lose 30 pounds in two months and blow, you know, nose bleeds and lines on your face from looking out the blinds. Like I'm grateful for that because that yeah. was really impacting my health. But because I never went back to cocaine or meth or whatever else I was doing, um, I didn't do any work on myself, and slowly but surely I started smoking herb again, and then I started drinking heavily again, and then I got into pharmaceuticals because I'm not doing street drugs. It's okay. So my new identity became this bullshit. I'm the guy who got off cocaine, you know. (laughs) And um, that kept me sick for a long time because I'm not doing street drugs. They may not come from my doctor, but at certain point, a doctor prescribed these, and that's so I jumped through these hoops. Um, Right before I went to that outpatient program, friends would drag me to the gym. But I'm insecure. I compare myself to others. I didn't know how to do every exercise from the beginning. I was weak. I was very unathletic. So I'd only go to the gym if I was drunk or loaded. And half the time I was drunk and high on cocaine. So I'm glad I never had a heart (laughs) attack.
0: Yeah, dude, Uh, that's – Dude, you know, it's, it's funny you say that, man. I used to love to do a lot of things high, too. Like, I love, mm-hmm. I used to love to go play basketball high. Like, we'd, we'd smoke a bunch of blocks oh, and go dude. hoop, man. No, yeah. <laughs> we lift weight. I mean, I didn't actually, I never really lifted a whole lot of weights high because I didn't really start lifting weights till I got sober. Uh, but, mm-hmm. like, more, you know, getting out, running around, it's to mow in the lawn. Like, oh, that was just, it wasn't even about getting high. It was just what you did. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. what what we did. And so it became this, like, normalcy thing. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of back up real quick and just, just ask you something about, you said you walked into that, that first meeting for the first time. We've been getting a lot of emails about that lately. Like, what you know, what's a meeting like? How do I go to my first meeting? I think we had one recently um, you know, where somebody like literally stood out in front of the meeting and walked back and forth for the whole hour and then they left and they felt terrible afterwards because they didn't have the balls to go in, which is completely <laughs> fucking normal. You know what I mean? It happens to a lot of people. Um, I'm just kind of curious on what your take was about what it took to get to that first meeting. And even though maybe it didn't work out the first time for you, like what were you able to at least take away from that now? And how, how did that kind of lead into your, your recovery today even?
1: Well, I went with a bunch of guys from the outpatient program. So we had to get our our slip sign for the mandatory number of meetings And so you were kind of forced to go in a sense, in in a sense, okay. And after that, I would pay one of the guys in the program to take my slip in to get it signed. (laughs) So, So not only were you an addict, you were a smart
0: addict, which most of us are. (laughs) Yeah,
1: very manipulative. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that was a terrible experience. But like I said, I was looking for every reason of why I didn't need that. Um, Now, if we fast forward at 25, is when I really actually half-ass tried recovery with 12-step fellowships um so let's see well yeah so the gym yeah i'm all over the place man i'm sorry so no, it's
0: all good man it's all good yeah, yeah. Time,
1: bro so uh i started working out right around like 20 um at 21 and a half i decided i wanted the perfect body okay and okay. um And that was going to be my new identity. Plus, I had a relationship that ended not of my doing, and that relationship was my identity. So I'm going to show her. So I hop on anabolic steroids at 21 and a half, Um, not knowing anything about nutrition. I read. That's where I said the stereotypical gym bro, where I read muscle comics or aka bodybuilding magazines. Those were my Bible. I didn't know anything about training, nothing about nutrition, and I was like May, and I'm taking 30 to 40 supplements, three zero to four zero supplements a day thinking they give me the perfect body. It's not working, so I'm yeah. like, fuck it, man. I'm just missing steroids, so I hop on steroids, <laughs> and um, all through college, man, I'm doing a ton of opiates, ton of benzos, ton of sleeping pills, smoking weed 24 hours a day, blackout drunk on liquor, and shooting steroids, Wow. while studying exercise science kinesiology in college. Cause, uh, that makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> You're
0: lucky to be alive, man.
1: Oh, hundred percent. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, dude, it was terrible. Um, on the surface, it looked like I had all my, my, you know, delusions of grandeur of being big and buff and good at sports and getting yeah, women yeah. like on the surface and call it. Cause, um, after I flunked out, I ended up, uh, going up to Sonoma state that that's near you that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was doing a geographic, right? If I move away from the X, I move away from all my drug-using buddies. It, I won't go back down that path. And of course, I took myself with me, so I shouldn't go there. Well. <laughs> I know. I,
0: I I love that saying. Wherever you go, there you are. So you're gonna have to, you know, you're gonna have to face it so, at some point.
1: Yeah, mm, yeah. So yeah, all through college, man. And like on the service it looked like I had a good, but. Inside dude, I was petrified petrified people would realize I'm a fake. I'm a fraud. I'm not that cool um, I'm lying to everybody. I'm not on anything even though it's pretty obvious that I'm taking something um, I'm drinking in class um, You had said
0: you had said to um, I can't remember if it was in in our email that you sent over or what but you had struggled with um, um, uh, Your body like how you looked yeah. Right. And Next. like those thoughts and stuff. And dude, like I, I got to be a hundred percent honest here. And it's, it's even hard for me to admit that sometimes like I've struggled with that too. And I think a lot of guys have struggled with that. It's not mm-hmm. something that's really talked about a lot. I don't, I don't feel like at least, um, mm-hmm. especially now as you know, like for me, I'm I'm in my mid thirties now. And I know, I know we have a lot of dudes out there who listen to the show who want to be fit, who want to be in shape, but with kids and with everything going on and, and trying to stay sober and jobs and all this stuff, like, man, sometimes it's hard. And then you, you tie in the whole health and nutrition thing, like eating. I mean, it's a whole package, man. And it's, it's tough to do. Um, I know I kind of, I jumped ahead on, on the, um, on just the feeling of, of, um, being unhappy with your body, but let's kind of start there. And then maybe we can dissect some, of, dissect some of the rest of the stuff I talked about, but like, how did that look for you? And like, I mean, what is that? Is that normal for people to feel like that for dudes to feel like that?
1: Or, I mean, what, what's your take on that? Yeah. So that, that started, uh, creeping in. Cause like, right. Like drugs and alcohol are about a symptom of something deeper yeah. of like already talked about. And I started to use my body as my new identity. Um, but I am a perfectionist, and I, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing, so I was that gym bro who uh, tried to do bodybuilder workouts, you know, eat boiled chicken and rice five times a day. But then if I'm getting high and drunk, then I'm binge eating at night. Yeah. So it became like I started getting a little obsessive, and then it got really bad to where I. I woke up every morning, I'd do a flex routine in my mirror, but um, I could never get my chest to grow because I didn't know how to get it to, to fire when working out, and I could never have enough ab veins. I could never have big enough arms. I could never have this or that, so I would start getting like dry heaving, panic attacks, doing these flex routines. Um, mm-hmm. I would assign my morality to my workouts my nutrition in my body. So I it's uh it's identified as an obsessive compulsive disorder. Um it actually and so um I would become super insecure around muscular guys. I would uh you know do restrictive clean eating all the time and then I'd like I said I would binge and then I'd you know panic attack, dry heaving, you know punish myself at the gym the next day, um you know restrict myself overly um Always comparing myself to somebody else. Somebody would say, "You look fucking phenomenal." I'd be like, "I'd be like, oh, thank you," but in my head immediately, my pecs suck. I don't have enough abs. Wow. Um, six isn't enough. I want eight. Um, you know, all that stuff. I'm not strong as this guy, so you know, I'm a, I'm a weakling. Um, and just being super insecure, and that obviously fed my addiction because when I get panic attacks what makes that go away? Let's get fucking loaded. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I yeah. play the victim and feel sorry for myself. So then I binge eat. And then it's just that vicious cycle to where, um, you know, like I already said, I'm studying how to repair and rebuild the human body yet. I'm drinking and drugging every single day. Um, using steroids more often than not, um, using other athletic chemicals and just stupid shit. Um, yeah. and, uh, it kept me sick for a very long time, and I didn't know that I had what's what's classified as muscle dysmorphia or body image body dysmorphia. Um, I was I was too afraid to say anything about it. Um, it just fueled my addiction. It was that vicious cycle. One would compound on the other, and it was it it kept me sick for a long time, and that's absolutely a huge part of my addiction story.
0: Wow yeah the emotional eating thing you touched on that a couple of times or emotional or you call it binge eating. Um, I think that probably goes hand in hand um, and then that whole you, you mentioned the cycle too it 's just like a cycle, and you repeat it and you repeat it and probably if you 're anything like me, you know it, when I used to get in those types of cycles a little bit different than yours, but same concept it was i 'm not going to do that again tomorrow and then be right back in that fucking thing the same you know the same exact thing, if not worse, the next day. And man, I think back to that stuff. It's absolutely exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. one thing I want to ask you real quick, and it's for my own selfish purposes. And I'm just going to ask you right now, cause I'm really curious. You said getting your chest on fire. How the fuck do you do that?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Getting, so I couldn't get my, like my chest muscle to actually contract and lift weights. Yeah. So I, I couldn't connect to that. So, um, Thank God now that I actually started doing independent research and like studying like obsessively over fitness, you know, now that I'm clean and sober, um, I've learned how to get my, my chest to contract, but before I couldn't do that. So if you can't contract a muscle, it's not going to grow.
0: Yeah, dude. So you have a ton of good information. It's one rep at a time.net, right? And we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was, I was looking at the website earlier, a lot of good stuff on nutrition on, um, on, uh, lifting all kinds of cool stuff on there. What kind of did it for you, though? Um, like, what was that moment? Did you have a light bulb moment? Did you have a moment where you kind of, y- you ultimately made a decision? And it was a 100% honest decision that you're going to start going down the path of, of sobriety and living a better life versus the other life you were living. Like, what was that for you?
1: So um, at 25, I went to a lockdown unit of a psych ward because I lost 80 pounds and was a threat to myself. Um, then I went to treatment, I went to an outpatient cognitive behavioral therapy program. That's where I learned I had that muscle dysmorphia, I had no idea. you know. Um, was introduced to 12 steps, I became Mr. 12 steps, but I didn't work on myself. So I, if I don't work on myself, I secretary meetings loaded, I take dirty tokens, I work dirty steps, I go to therapy loaded, and I'm dishonest. And that was a cycle that I repeated from 2012 to June 22nd, 2013 is when I found my God which was the gift of desperation. And I do want to say 12-step fellowships are not a requirement for a clean and sober lifestyle, but they're part of my story. So 12-step fellowships, a behavior modification program that I chose to go to in therapy is what I do for my recovery. And drugs are no longer working. I couldn't get loaded. The only thing I had left to do was uh, intravenous drug use. I obviously love needles from steroids and shooting other drugs, but the IV thing freaked me out, but I couldn't get loaded anymore, and I was about ready to try that. So self-preservation kicked in, and that's when I was 100% honest um, and, you know, told met my – I had a, my sponsor. I met him. I was like, look, man, because I have been, like, slowly telling people how bad my relapse was, and it was really bad. And I was like, all right, here's the deal. My relapse was way worse than when I told you, you know. I'm doing way more pharmaceuticals than I told you. I have a shit ton of needles at my place. I have all these drugs. I have all this gear. I have this and that in my house. And um, – Self-preservation kicked in and on that day, I became honest for the first time in my life of truly telling somebody, you know, I was dirty when I took clean time. I was dirty when I did this. I've been lying to everybody for a year and a half. And that was the moment where the, the I saw the light, for lack of a better word, and yeah. became willing yeah. to do whatever I had to do.
0: Yeah, I think I think that there, that's, a, that's a, a big thing in um – in a lot of people's journeys of, of recovery is those things that we're not able to be honest with others about. And then that we're not also able to be honest with ourselves about, um, how did that feel when you got to that point? Uh, I know when I finally came out and said like, look, I got a problem. I need to go to rehab. I always describe it as like this weight of the world, just being lifted off of my shoulders, even though I knew I had a, a huge battle ahead of me and a lot of, a lot of things to, to, uh, to learn and to figure out. But like, having to stuff all that, all that in and hold it in was just absolutely exhausting. And so what did that feel like for you when you finally just said like, fuck it, I'm done. I'm all in. I'm going to, I'm going to just let this stuff out and I can't get free until I do
1: that. Yeah. It's, you kind of summed it up, man. Like the weight lifted off your shoulders. I was petrified. I'm crying. All, I never cry. I was crying all the time. I was petrified. I became willing to do whatever I needed to do, which was quit a very high paying job, uh, move all my shit and all my storage into possession, my possessions into storage. I elected to go to the hardest program I could find down here, which is a short term behavior modification program. 90% of the guys there are trying to get out of multiple years of prison sentence, FBI aversion, um, jail time. And I was like, fuck it, man. The $30,000 rehab didn't work. The outpatient rehab didn't work. I got to go to something brutal. And um, all of a sudden, dude, like, I hated myself, yet my ego prevented me from asking for help previously. You know what I'm saying? Like, self-loathing narcissism or egomaniac with inferiority complex, I lost that all of a sudden because I was going to die. 100% going to die. And all of a sudden, like my higher power saved me, man. And I saw the light and I was like, dude, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I think, I think, finally, I
0: think that's a key, that's a key point right there for those out there listening. Like you just said it, you said I was willing to do whatever it takes. And like, if you're not willing to do whatever it takes, you know, besides maybe like murder somebody or some stupid shit like that. But like, you know, I think I even said in the past podcast episode like if someone would have said like here here's a big pile of hot steaming dog shit eat this and i'll help you get sober i would have ate it like i was ready to fucking Hunter. do like i did not care anymore and you have to be in that mindset if you want to take that next step like you got to be open to it um so marv like let's get into now like how recovery or i mean i'm sorry how fitness and how health and um and nutrition, how all that has really changed your life, man. Like where does that kind of start to come in and really take over for you in a, in a, in a healthy, positive way, I guess. Cause I know it's kind of always been a part of your story, but where does it flip the script
1: into a positive light? It started flipping the script end of 2013, beginning of 2014. Um, and that first looked like when I got out of treatment. I didn't work out at all in treatment. Um, and, uh, because actually, I did a bunch of steroids leading into treatment, so my hormones are all messed up. So I was like, "Screw it, I'm not even gonna try." Classic.
0: You just gotta go in. You gotta go in. Yeah, all in, exactly, you know.
1: man. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, and when I got out of treatment, um, I didn't work out for 90 days because I have to work on my insides before I can work on my outside. So that was like the first step of making it a positive endeavor. Because fitness, health, and nutrition, and working out right, should be positive. You should be working to improve yourself. I was using it to punish myself. You know. To put myself up on that cross and beat myself up. So that's when the switch started happening. And then I slowly, gradually started to incorporate it back in my life. So what that looked like was I started to exercise in the living room of the sober living I was living at. I began to eat better food choices, but I wasn't tracking, you know, I wasn't weighing or tracking any food. I was just starting to eat better. I was starting to go for walks. I was starting to to lift again. I started to actually research fitness and health and nutrition versus reading muscle comics and taking all these supplements and all that stuff and um then i started my my, my sober living roommates encouraged me to start one rep at a time as a blog because we would watch you know this this big wig guy on youtube he would do you know q a's and they would have them uh read the question, hit the pause button, I would give my answer, and then he would give his. And I was like 90% verbatim. They're like, dude, at least write about this because you know yeah. so much. So I started it as a blog, and then I started training people on the side again. And then um, then I realized, like, holy shit, man. Like, if I feel good physically, I tend to be mentally sharper, more emotionally stable, and ultimately spiritually fitter. And, like, I just saw the light because for the first time in my life, I was working out and eat. I call it eating smart. I don't like eating clean because clean food and junk food is that morality of good versus bad, black versus white. I don't want to jump into, you know, starting to set myself up for binging and beating myself up. So I like, you know, all these like neutral, you know, um, food labels. And I was like, it just all of a sudden I just realized like how important it is to address our physical health and our recovery because addiction affects us mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Therefore, we have to address our physical health. But it's easy, what I've seen, and even I did it, to neglect our physical health because I'm not living like that anymore. I'm not gambling away the rent money. I'm not putting a needle in my arm. I'm not behind bars. I'm not drinking on the job. I'm not you know, addicted to sex or whatever your addiction was because it doesn't have to be just drugs and alcohol. And I just started seeing the light and all of a sudden it just started making sense to me And the more and more I wrote on the blog, the more and more I realized, you know what, man, like this is what I was put on the face of the earth to do. My obsession with fitness, which was negative, has put me in a position to know what the average person may do who doesn't know any better, you know, to fall for all the tricks of the fitness industry, to be insecure, to develop body image issues and be willing to talk about it openly as a man. Because I didn't fucking know that guys could have body image issues. Isn't that just a female thing? Um, and all of a sudden, man, I was just like old dreams and aspirations reawoke. And I was able to separate my self image from my body image and just, you know, it all just came together, man. And, um, I haven't looked back ever since.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's badass, man. I mean, you're really describing finding your purpose, like finding your passion, like what, what drives you to want to get up every day. And, um, And be better and be better not only for yourself, but for I'm sure your family, your friends, like people that you're trying to help out there uh, through one rep at a time. Um, I think that's a really good a really good way uh, to to guide through just living a better lifestyle is finding what you're passionate about. Like how, how important has that been to you just to do what you love to do every day? And, and maybe for someone out there listening, it's like, how the fuck do I find that? Well, I don't know that you or I Maybe I mean, maybe you have an answer for it. I don't necessarily have an answer, but like you got to just get up and, and, and fucking show up, you know?
1: Yeah. Like, um, so like, like this, this was not my job right out of treatment. I got a job at a grocery store, got quickly promoted, working in the meat department, which is a solid, well-paying job. And um, I started doing the blog on the side. I started training on the side. That work environment became toxic. And because I developed self-worth and self-esteem, I knew I wasn't going to self-sabotage. And it became very readily apparent it was time for me to take that leap of faith of doing what I felt yeah. for some, I just deep in my bones, I for some reason I know this is what I was put on this earth to do. It took a risk, and it was instead of waiting for everything to line up perfectly because it's never going to line up, right? If you wait for the perfect shot, you're never going to shoot because it's never going to be perfect. And um, just something deep down said this is what you're going to do. So now that I feel like I found my purpose, um, I'm willing to make sacrifices, man. Like uh, I am not rich, I am not famous. I woke up before 6 a.m. today without an alarm clock to get to work because this is what I love to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. if I was not clean and sober and working on myself and and um, taking care of myself, I would never have found my passion. Yeah. yeah. You know. So like this is my direct personal amends to myself. So that's what I want to tell your listeners and you even Getting fit and healthy can and should be a direct personal amends. Finding your life's passion, to where you're not working a dead end job and settling, is a direct amends to yourself. It's not going to happen overnight, man. I stayed at that job for over two years, and the last year it was toxic, because I needed to learn how to suit up and show up and work on myself before I could take a chance, you know. And quit a steady paying job and become an entrepreneur and a private trainer. Does that, does that kind of answer your question? Uh, that's
0: fucking huge, bro. Like I want to, I want to tell everyone listening, like rewind that, <laughs> rewind that last two, three minutes and listen to that again. Because, um, I think the, you know, there's, there's a ton of good stuff in, in that. And the one thing is, man, it ain't going to happen overnight and you got to be patient, but you got to be doing it. You got to be getting up every day to do it and, uh, do like congrats, bro. It's super, super awesome. And thank you for sharing that. Um, what, uh, uh, man, I totally lost my train of thought right now. I had a, sure. I had a great question for you. I thought, uh, at least I thought it was great. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what, what about you've been writing? It says here too, you have, um, uh, you've been featured in some, some pretty, pretty, uh, good outlets, men's health, Huffington post, San Diego tribune. Um, do you, do you have, you have an actual spot in San Diego where people come and work out and train or how does that work with one rep at a time? Is it all digitally based? Um,
1: so I do a bit of everything. So we actually just moved. So the listeners can't see. I'm recording in our bedroom right now because we still have boxes everywhere. But uh, <laughs> nice. I, uh, I gutted the garage out, and I bought a bunch of equipment. Um, and so I tr- people will come to me to train privately in San Diego. I travel to people, and then I offer online as well. So, like, uh, I have people all over the world, which is a trip, man. Like, I was, yes. you know, working on somebody in Britain today, working on theirs. <laughs> it's so a trip, man. So, like, I will do, you know – online training remote training in-person training if you're in san diego i'll travel to you um i've written a couple you know ebooks the book on nutrition all of that so i kind of do trying to the more i've done this because i didn't dude i didn't have social media until two years ago when i decided to quit my job like it's a necessary evil i feel but like that's how we yeah. met so i should probably <laughs> call it a necessary evil because we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for social media i know it's funny you know And so, like I kind of, I kind of do all of that, and and I've gotten better, man. This is a learn as I go type deal. Um, I am not the sharpest business mind. I'm not the best entrepreneur, but I am willing to take suggestions and ask for help and research and try something different because it's not my way or the highway.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's huge, man. Huge, like willing to take suggestions and listen. I think we did a podcast a while back called Shut the Fuck Up and Listen. Like we (laughs) we don't know everything. Like I like, you know, I've definitely gotten a lot better at that, but I could never just like listen, you know? And that's a huge, it's a huge skill. And um, it's not hard. You just gotta understand it a little bit. Um, I, I remember what I was gonna ask you now too. And I think this is really, really important. And maybe you can share a little bit like what does your recovery routine look like? Like just to, I mean, maybe it's not even recovery. What does your routine look like? Like what could, what can you share that can help someone out there in their with their own
1: daily uh, practice? Mm-hmm. So I'm big on morning routines. Um, all of my clients, I strongly suggest they have a morning routine. I actually have people text me when they're awake. I text them when I'm awake. I usually beat them, but, um, uh, <laughs> nice. right, you know, no, no competitiveness there, but, um, Morning routines are important because it sets the tone for your day. So I've written about it on my website. I, I'm a big on this. You know, I like to have a routine that blends health, fitness, and recovery all together. So what I do is I wake up, um, I start coffee brewing. I drink a tall glass of water before my coffee because I just woke up semi-dehydrated. Let's get a jump start. While the coffee's brewing, I have my own version, which I have right here, the original of my third, my own version of the third step prayer um, that I wrote, uh, which is pretty powerful. I'll read a daily, a daily meditation book. I'll start to drink my coffee. I set up my social media for work. I go down to the gym, um, and I do some mobility work. I might walk on the treadmill for a little bit. So I'm, you know, health through drinking water first, then doing my coffee fitness of doing some sort of Exercise routine in the morning, even if it's like jumping jacks, like something to get yourself woken up. Recovery with praying, um, setting the tone for day for work. Cause I mean, yeah, I'm self-employed, but you could set it, write a to-do list for your day, go to work, you know. Um, and that morning routine became so important to me that when I was working at the grocery store, man, I would wake up at 3:50 a.m. to be able to do 20 minutes of that before I had to head to work. Mm. And that sets the tone for your day. If I don't do that, I might sleep in too much. I might wake, wake up, you know, late. I uh, I won't prioritize my health. You know, I'll just drink coffee. I won't drink water. I won't do any warm up routine. I won't pray. I won't read something to ground myself. Because the farther I'm sure you could relate, the farther we get away from our last drink or drug. Sometimes we could forget and get really fucking ungrateful. And that like, dude, I woke up today. I didn't come to. Like, that is amazing. Yeah. That is a miracle. So routines, I thought they were stupid, man. I was like, dude, that's dumb. But they truly work. So do something that you could do consistently yeah. that blends all of those things. That's my routine. It doesn't have to be yours. But do something that if you could blend all three things, even if, and if you have to shorten it, then shorten it. But, I mean, every person I've worked with, I'm like, wake up 10 minutes earlier and look how much better you're going to be set up to kick some ass. You know, oh, yeah. it's all about the tone.
0: Yeah, man, that's a, uh, that's big right there. And you, you kind of said it best. Um, you're getting up early, like you're starting your day off and you, you, I think the key takeaway is you, you got to put the work in. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what, what you do, but do something and you're going to have to put the work in. And so you can kind of, and I, I want to go back to what you said, um, just a few minutes ago too. It's so important. Like, it's never going to be the right time, the perfect time. It's never going to fucking be perfect. Like, you got to just jump in and get the ball rolling, and shit will fall into place. And if you're anything like me, like, it's never going to be the way that I want it to be. You know what I'm saying? That's just the way it is. But I've learned to like adapt to that and be okay with that. And that's what's helped me. It sounds like it's helped you in just getting up and getting the ball rolling. Um, so thank you, man, for sharing that. Um, you know, those tips, like some of the things that you do. And like you said, to those out there listening, you don't have to do exactly what Marv does. You don't have to do exactly what your sponsor does or your homie does, or what you saw on a website or it's a TV show, whatever. Um, but you need to do something and figure out what works best for you. I think that's the big, big takeaway right there. Um, so tell us a little bit more about one rep at a time. Where can folks find you at Marv? Um, if they want to reach out to you, if they want more information, any projects coming up, uh, any of that good stuff, man, where can they do that?
1: Absolutely. So the website that we've talked about is one rep at a time.net. You spell it out. Uh, social media for Instagram and Twitter's at one rep at a time underscore. Facebook is one rep at a time. My personal email is Marv M A R V is in Victor at one rep at a time.net. Now, if you go to the website, I wrote, uh, and so I was in men's health in the May issue, which is a trip, man, buying nice. a magazine you're in. Like, That's awesome. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. So I wrote a book in anticipation. It's totally free. It's 52 pages. It's the one rep at a time manual that kind of, it gives you a synopsis of what I've learned over the past decade. Um, and like tells you like, all right, you know, this is how you want to set up, you know, essentially nutrition, daily activity, um, working out, uh, what you should do when you work out what kind of relationships you should have with food, all that. That's hundred percent free, hundred percent free. Um, I've written, you know, a, a book on nutrition that teaches people the concepts of nutrition. And again, it's really big on uh, avoiding assigning morality because people could do that. Um, we've talked about, I offer consultations through Skype. I do one time standalone workouts. I do online training where we, you know, you have access to me six days a week, 24, 24, six, you know, um, I do in-personal training, travel, all of that, man. Helping people with nutrition. um, And I have started a YouTube channel recently. Um, Did an internet radio show on the Recovery Channel that I'm now, like, redoing as podcast. So that's coming out in the future. Awesome, Yeah. Yeah. Um, What I do – do I have, like, three or four minutes, man, to give some people some tips real quick? Absolutely, bro. Take it away. Yeah. So, look, like, everybody – be, like, everybody's going to have their own definition of recovery, and everybody's going to have their own definition of fitness. What works for me and my fitness will may not work for you and your fitness. So first and foremost, I suggest you write down why, what, and how. Why do you want to get fit and healthy? Dig deep. Don't go, I want big arms, I want abs. Fuck that. Deep. If your why doesn't make you cry, you're not going deep enough. Okay? <laughs> write down what. What are you going to do differently? okay write that down and then write how how am i going to do that does that mean you hire somebody does that mean you buy a book does that mean you you join a, a support group whatever and then write those things down and place them somewhere in your house where you see every day i like to say bathroom mirror you see that every day okay it can be really intimidating to start working out especially if you go to a corporate gym you don't know how to lift weights look the gym Unless, like so I'm like a wannabe bodybuilder, so lifting weights is absolutely necessary for me and that's what I, I am good at. That's what I prefer. But if we got to start somewhere, start with daily activity, meaning park your car at the far end of a parking lot and walk. Walk on your lunch break. If you have post-acute withdrawal syndrome, you know from getting newly clean and sober, walk in the afternoon, then hop in an Epsom salt bath. It'll help reduce that. it'll help you sleep. You could do something silly as every time you get in your fridge, you do ten jumping jacks. Every time you use the restroom, do five bodyweight squats. You know, uh, it always cracks me up when I do that at a urinal. If I don't go into a, fall <laughs> and a squat in front of the urinal, guys kind of freak out, right? But you have fun <laughs> with it, you know. Yeah, that's um, awesome. If you're on the phone, walk. It, you know, if you have small children, every, and if you can, if you're strong enough, every time you pick them up, press them over your head three times. <laughs> Stuff like that, right? Fitness. Can, doesn't have to only be in a gym, and in fact, studies are showing if you're active throughout the day, you're actually set up better for health than somebody who works out really hardcore for one hour then sits around the re- remaining 23 hours. You're still at risk for being sedentary. Mm-hmm. Daily activity is where it's at. Start small, just like with recovery. Just work on consistency. Consistency trumps everything. Momentum is real. Yeah. Quit waiting till you have money for a trainer. Quit waiting until you have the perfect matching gym outfit. You know, just start <laughs> doing something right like like it could be, you know, get a pair of resistance bands. That could be your introduction if you're if you're uncomfortable. Just start walking, um, you know, small things like that. Like it could happen anywhere and everywhere. And A lot of people come to me because they go, "I just need help getting started. Um, I don't have the motivation." And it's crazy, right? After three or four, even five weeks, consistently working out, people are like, "Oh my god, dude! Like, I feel off if I don't exercise. Like, this can be become a form of meditation. Like, working out is my favorite form of meditation because I suck at sitting in a quiet room and and meditating. But exercise, hell yeah, man!" And that's, that's that, that's your you time. That's the time to give back to yourself. So like start small. Um, don't, don't. And also don't go from zero to hundred miles an hour. That's where people go wrong Sit with when it comes to trying to go on a diet or starting to work out. They go in, you know, at hundred miles an hour as if they've been, you know, working out for three years in a row, or they know how their body works. like, start small and slowly work your way up whether it comes to how you eat right don't change a million things at once man pick one two or three things to change build on it don't start if you haven't worked out or haven't lifted weights in like six months don't start lifting weights seven days a week like you know like you're gonna burn yourself out you're just gonna become toxic you're gonna get over it you're gonna be that yo-yo person the on again off again on again off again and if you're like me You tried that with your drugs and alcohol and other addictions because, you know, I had a lot of addictions and that shit don't work, man, because we are all all or nothing thinkers. So it could help you practice to learn the concept of moderation. Yeah, dude, like I can't even
0: uh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that myself when I'm done in post production. But, um, dude, like I was thinking, you know when we were done i was like man i'm going to i'm going to ask marv about kind of what i've been going through but if you don't mind if you got a couple minutes Absolutely. let me let me pick your brain real quick because i think it, it's relatable probably to a lot of people out there so you just talked about the yo-yo thing the back and forth the back and forth mm-hmm. um obviously that was a big issue for me in in my own addiction try to stop stop you know start stop start well I stopped going to the gym, you know, for, for months this last year, then Christmas came around and then I ate a bunch of shitty food, you know, and then you Mm -hmm. feel all shitty after the new year, I'm going to get back to the gym. It's a new year. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, finally in, um, in, let's see, what are we in right now? We're in, uh, we're at the end of June. So at the beginning or the middle of May, I finally like got back to the gym. Right. And I started Mm -hmm. like, like you were saying, don't go in, don't go in like full blast. Like And because you're going to get burnout, or you're going to get hurt. And and so I was at least smart enough to understand that concept. But I started going back and doing just like a five-by-five five in the squat rack and just doing yeah. like lightweight three days a week and just slowly adding a little bit of weight here and there and trying to eat better during the day. Still eating – like sugar is always a tough one. So, you know, um, there's been – some, um, sometimes like in the nighttime where it's like, man, I really want some cookies or something. Instead of just like depriving myself, I'm not going to eating the whole box. Thank God, but I'll eat a couple of cookies or whatever. You know what I mean? That's just in the moment. And, um, but point being is I feel so much better and I walk a lot too. I'm always walking the dog. I walk the dog every day. I'll go on some little, I'll do some yogging every now and again, right. Get out okay. and yog a little bit. Um, but the, The way that I feel a month and a half later versus the way that I was feeling in the first few months of this year has just been incredible, man. So like any tips for somebody and I know you just gave a whole shitload of tips, but specifically for someone who really wants to get back into it, that's early in. um, I mean, other than other than don't try to take on too much, like what else could you what else Mm -hmm. could you say
1: about that or even my situation in,
0: you know, in particular? Yeah. Okay.
1: well, I could go into a 10 minute super detailed Guy, man. we got time yeah whatever you whatever you want to yeah, do man. I, told, we got time. I told my clients yeah. man I'm, I'm not available for another hour so we got to <laughs> right, per- take another hour but you know perfect what I'm saying? man let's okay, do it So, all right let's let's cover fitness first nutrition second okay there is a huge difference between steady state cardio and resistance training so i prioritize resistance training now like i already said though if that is like intimidating to you, just start with walking. Like, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Don't wait till it's perfect. But here's the discussion that nobody knows. When you do steady state cardio, which is walking, jogging, elliptical, whatever, the signal you're telling your body is become efficient as possible. So it will slow down its metabolism, which is bad because we typically overeat. It will not, it will lose, if you eat less food than what you burn which we're gonna talk about nutrition in a second, you will lose weight. If you're doing just traditional cardio, you will lose muscle and fat together. Typically a 60% fat, 40% muscle ratio. We never wanna lose muscle. We always wanna maintain as much muscle as possible. So that signal to your body is to become as efficient as possible. The example is look at the physique of a world-class marathon runner. They essentially look like they're about to pass over from malnourishment, right? (laughs) Yeah they have they have no body fat on their body but they don't have any muscle so you know they're like almost skinny fat kind of deal yeah. like you know they're real it's small it's a weird look yeah absolutely cuz the, the signal they've told their bodies become as efficient as humanly possible maintain hold on to as much calories as i can slow down my metabolism which is not a good which is the worst thing to do in today's modern sedentary overfed lifestyle resistance training the signal is sense to your body become strong and powerful, which will boost your metabolism. Okay, the more, and by building muscle, you will have a higher resting metabolism. Metabolism refers to how many calories you burn in a given day, you know, how many calories you can process without putting on body fat. So if you're signaling your body to boost your metabolism, put on muscle, the example is a world-class Olympic sprinter. Those guys are jacked. Yeah. Okay, right? Yeah, so you have a world-class marathon runner, steady state cardio, world-class Olympic sprinter. You're like, well, Marv, you just said resistance training. Sprinting is what's known as anaerobic exercise, So, and resistance training is anaerobic exercise. So that's okay. the two examples. That's all you need to know. Look at a world-class marathon runner. Look at an Olympic sprinter. Who do you want to look like? 99% of the people would rather look like an Olympic sprinter, male or female. And women, don't worry. If you lift weights, you will not get big and bulky. You you physiologically do not have the testosterone necessary to build muscle like a man. You will never get yoked unless you are on synthetic hormones, Hmm. period, end of story. So resistance training sends a better signal than traditional cardio. Now, you can do what's known as interval cardio, high-intensity interval training, which is phenomenal, but that might be too much of a stressor starting out, so just, resistance training is all, here's what you need to know. Build muscle, speed up your metabolism. Steady state cardio, slow down your metabolism, lose muscle and fat. So that's that. When it comes to resistance training, consistency is number one, so like you said, be consistent. Frequency is number two, intensity is number three. If you go online, it's all about hardcore, no days off, beast mode pummel your muscle one you know train one body part per day like a bodybuilder do 30 sets for chest 30 sets for legs if i had to if i had to fucking
0: do that every day i would never go to the gym i fucking hate that i'm just not that's that's just not me i hate
1: doing that i don't want to do that yeah well here's the thing that is not the optimal way to build muscle because after you train a muscle so the whole goal of resistance training is actually to break down your muscle, so your body has to repair it. So it's like you're digging a ditch, and you want to put just a little extra dirt than the original ditch that you dug. You built muscle. Okay? Now, you will trigger what's known as muscle protein synthesis, MPS, which is exactly what it sounds like. Muscle protein synthesis means your body's building muscle. Hmm. Those rates are only elevated after you train a muscle for maybe 48 hours as a newbie, and it gets less and less the more time you have. So if I chain my chest really hard on Monday, which is International Chest Day, by the end of the day, Wednesday, my chest is done growing. That is not optimal. So frequency, training a body muscle group two to three times per week is key. So for beginners, I have them start out two whole body resistance training sessions a week. That's it. And we spread them out. So like Monday and Thursday is ideal. Start on two, start small, get the ball rolling, be consistent. You train the whole body, man, you do it, you hit, you don't, so instead of doing 30 sets for chest on Monday, if I'm doing working out Monday and Thursday, you would do, this is excessive, but just to, so the numbers stay the same, you do 15 sets Monday, 15 sets Thursday. You're still getting 30 sets in, but because you spaced it out and you frequently hit the muscle, your potential for muscle growth, which will speed up your metabolism, which was what the whole goal of what we want is greatly increased. So whole body training two to three times a week is phenomenal. That's all you need to do. We don't need to do – I know I'm getting kind of bodybuilding specific, but you know, people, you, you don't need to do like drop sets or force reps or all these crazy advanced bodybuilding techniques. Well, no, no, no. Well,
0: and that's, I think that's what's helped me. Like, I'm, I've, I've dropped like 15 pounds, like since I, since um, in the yeah, in the last month, well, maybe like 12 pounds, right around there, somewhere between 12, 15 pounds. It always, it always varies, I guess, when I step on the scale because maybe water or whatever I ate that morning. But, um, like what's worked for me is, is the five by five has worked because it's simple. Like, and I can understand it. I was never, I never lifted weights like in high school. Like I was never like, I played baseball. We didn't fucking lift weights in baseball. I just fucking threw the ball and it would, we didn't, we didn't lift back then. And so to go into a gym, like you had mentioned earlier on, was a bit intimidating for me when I first went a couple of years ago. And I've gone through this back and forth thing, but with the five by five, it's real simple. It's like squats every day. I'm doing or three days a week, every day I'm doing squats. And then I'm doing, um, deadlifts, rows, um, uh, military press, I think, or overhead press and some bench. And then I'll do I'll walk, you know, with the dog and stuff. But I guess for me, it's been simple. I can get in in there 45 minutes to an hour and be done with it. That's all great. But then the diet comes into play. And that has been the hardest thing for me. I think I'm doing much better. But that has been the definite hardest thing is to stay on point with my nutrition and diet, um, you know, in a busy life and all that stuff, it, it's just it's been a, it's been a challenge for sure.
1: Yeah. So, let's dive into nutrition. After one thing, let me say real quick. Yeah. What is the world's best muscle building wor- workout routine? The answer is simple, believe it or not. It's the program you're not currently doing. <laughs> like us, our yeah. bodies hate change. If the stimulus you give it remains the same, it's going to tune it out. So 5x5 five five is working great for you. I promise you, Shane, if you switch it up and go to – what if you did like four sets of 12 to 15 reps, same exercises, lighten the weight but do more reps, your body will change dramatically. So – I'm going to try that.
0: I mean, that's no, that's exactly, I I appreciate that because that's exactly what I need to hear something like, because it has started to feel a little monotonous after a month and a half. And I'm getting to a point where the squats are getting a little bit harder on my knees. I can feel it because Mm -hmm. it's, and and so maybe you're saying dump the weight a little bit and do more reps and, and, and a few less sets or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and like, yeah, we don't, we could get married to what we love and then we never do something different. So yeah. if we don't change the stimulus, whether it be nutrition or working out, our body's going to tune, our body's going to adapt to a point where it's, it's reached what's known as homeostasis, where it's not going to want to build more muscle or it's not going to want to drop more body fat. So if you switch it up and do something dramatically different, yeah, you're going to, it's going to be harder. You're going to struggle at first, but watch the changes happen. Yeah. You know, got it. Um, we we tend to shy away with what we're not good at. So go to what you're not good at, you know. Um, it's going to be such a shock to the system, it's forced to change. And you're doing phenomenal because – so everybody – Shane's doing what's known as compound lifts. So multiple joints are working at a time. A big mistake I see is you read a bodybuilding magazine. You see all these isolation exercises, you know. A bajillion curls, a bajillion kickbacks.
0: Yeah, I uh, hate that shit.
1: <laughs> bajillion leg extensions, leg curls. No, you want to do compound lifts. Get in and get out. You want to do movements like that. Now, nutrition. Here's a million-dollar one-rep-at-a-time statement. This sums up everything you need to know about nutrition in two sentences. The quantity of your food determines the number on the weight scale. Period, end of story. I don't care if you're eating – 3,000 calories of Krispy Kreme donuts or 3,000 calories of salmon and broccoli, the weight scale is essentially going to say the same exact thing. Hmm. The quality of your food and the quality of your training, meaning your workout. So are you doing cardio or resistance training? That's like the quality of your workouts. will determine how you look and how you feel, meaning body composition and health. Let me say it one more time. Quantity of food determines how much you weigh, the quality of your food, and the quality of your exercise determines your body composition and health. So one rep at a time, I say look, quantities number one. And then for quality, 70 to 90% of the time eat what I call single ingredient foods. So like salmon, broccoli, sweet potatoes. Um, If you don't have an autoimmune disorder, you could have grains like rice or something like that, or quinoa, like uh, you know, which is a legume, and then keep the remaining ten to thirty percent, like you said, for for your sanity when you go out, when you want to feed your soul, you know, (laughs) like I'm going out with people for the program. I want to go out and enjoy eating out and not beat myself up. That's fine. If you stress quality, the majority of the time, that 10 to 30% is going to keep you mentally sane, not feel overly restricted, which will reduce the risk that you binge eat. And that's where we go from there. So what I'm going to ask, and I'm just going to ask you right now, I have actually done, so I wrote a, a whole Uh, ebook on what I call the nutrition hierarchy which is seven things when it comes to nutrition that truly matters I made four YouTube videos public of you know everything you know about nutrition which I just talked about and then one two and three on our nutrition hierarchy list public for everybody to learn so what I calories matter most okay um a guy at Kansas State University lost like 20 or 30 pounds on a convenience store diet consisting mostly of Oreos and Twinkies. <laughs> <laughs> because that's so funny. Best, right. But because yeah. he's eating calories and he was burning, he was in what's known as a caloric deficit. So you can lose weight. Number two on that list, in my opinion is protein. Um, and number three is fiber, meaning you're eating vegetables at every single meal for 95% of the population. Um, that's mandatory. Um, I think it's 95% of of U.S. citizens don't eat enough fiber per day anyways. Yeah, probably. So I'll I'll give you the links to include in the show notes. Like that's 100% free to help people out, to point you in the right direction. So you can work in less than ideal foods for your mental sake and still not derail your goals. You don't have to eat clean all the time. And I hate those phrases. So I use smart or needs to be smarter. So – yeah, I, I really like that too When you said mm-hmm. that earlier, the smart
0: eating Because I've said that to eat clean It always kind of sounded weird to me But eating smart just sounds fucking smart It sounds, it sounds, a, yeah. lot, it sounds a lot uh, easier to wrap, wrap my brain around a little bit And then if I'm well, not, you know If I have a, a cookie or you know a little bit of ice cream one night or something I'm not beating myself up over it That's the other thing
1: Well, what the fuck is clean? If you're keto, yeah. <laughs> uh, sweet, uh, potatoes are not clean. Yeah. If you're vegan, eggs are not clean. If you're uh, paleo, you know rice is not clean. So, so the example is: look, if I eat, and you could do, you can do it two different ways. I personally go: if I eat single-ingredient foods, I'm eating smart. If I eat a cookie, it needs to be smarter. So that's how I classify it. Hmm. Or you could classify it as: it's smart if I only eat one cookie, not the whole sleeve. <laughs> and it's smarter if I eat vegetables at every meal, so I'm full to where I don't even want the cookie in the first place. Got it. It's so like play, like again, what works for me may not work for you. So it's that idea to avoid these black or white categories that could avoid setting us up to assign our morality, because we in recovery. Have a horrible track record of all or nothing, black
0: or white. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I tell my wife that a lot. I'm, I'm all or nothing, babe. And she goes, Well, you need to get over that. So I, I try, you know, sometimes, but shit, you bring a whole sleeve or a whole box of thin mints in here when the Girl Scouts are in town. Oh, dude, hey, that yeah. thing's gone. Bye bye. <laughs> I can't You're do right?
1: that. Yeah. And some people can do well with moderation, other people can't. Um, sometimes I can do with moderation and I can have stuff in the house and I can moderate myself. And other times I can't, so then it might be smart to not have cookies in the house. Yeah. Sometimes I can yeah. handle something that can't. Just like like uh, we talked about my body image to go off on a third rail, my body image issue is fluid. Sometimes I can handle being in a diet and being ripped and having abs, you know, for work, for pictures. And other times I can't handle it, so I can't be um, in a deficit Um yeah all that and uh by the way i hate the word diet so when i say diet (laughs) refer to 365 days a year i'm not referring to a short period of time because if you're on a diet by definition you're going to be off of a diet and then what do you do so like i'm big on little connotation switches like that you know little that people will take for granted and if you you change how you word some things man like self-talk matters Hmm. um you know, how we perceive things really matters. So I know that was a third rail, but like, no, it's is great, it, man. It's fluid. So what we'll worked for you yesterday, same with fitness, health, nutrition, recovery, life, family, job. What we'll worked for you yesterday might not be working today. So that's when you need to remain teachable and, and maybe. Go back to the drawing board every once in a while. Well, I I think you you, you bring up
0: a good point, too, in the fact of how important it is to have a mentor, a coach, um, somebody to work with, whether you're talking about, you know, recovery, fitness, life, um, whatever it is, because just like you, you point out right there. Like a lot of the times we get stuck in thinking a certain way. And like, I've been stuck. I've done this five by five many times before. And I've thought about, well, man, maybe I need, it's only a month and a half in. I was kind of going to plan on doing it longer, but I'm already feeling the plateau almost in a sense where I don't feel like I'm getting as much out of it. All it takes is somebody from the outside to take a look just like you did and say, Hey, you know what? Why don't you think about it? Doing it like this. Like you're doing cool, but just switch it up a little bit. It's so important to do that, man. And I want to go back to, to, uh, the website. I'm looking at your website. I'm, I'm really pumped to download uh, the one rep at a time manual on here. I'm checking it out right now. Uh, but you got nutrition program, uh, programming, um, custom routines, online training, uh, private, personal training, a whole bunch of free info and good stuff on here and other ways that you can uh, connect to work with you, man. So I just, this has been a really, really good, um, uh, good conversation today. I really appreciate the tips, the knowledge, uh, you sharing your story, all that
1: stuff, man. It's been really, really cool, man. I just want to say thank you again, dude. It's been my freaking pleasure, man. This is awesome, bro. Yeah, absolutely. And what what a what a blessing of recovery to connect with like like-minded people man like we're in the same state but we're a good 700 miles apart <laughs> i like, know <laughs> have this common bond like dude like i have i have family now i don't have you know shady sketchy yeah. friends who what do you have for me are you holding like i don't have that man i have true family true friends and like yeah. this common yeah. bond man like we trudge this happy path of destiny together
0: yeah, dude. That's good stuff, man. Thank you so much, man. Uh, one more time, uh, you go to one rep at a time net and then um, and what you want to drop the email address one more time if anyone wants to get a hold of you or any other any other yeah, thing. Yeah, man, hold if
1: on. you want to email me directly, marv M-A-R-V, at one rep at a Now, I'm absolutely gonna join your private Facebook group to teach myself Facebook. I started one as well. It's called Recovery Strong. So it's people in nice. recovery who are or are looking to make health and fitness a part of that process. So ask to join. I'll add you. We are not dogmatic. There's many paths at the same top of the hill. So it's not, you only have to be in 12 steps. We have people from doing all modalities of recovery, all modalities of exercise. Um, we actually started doing a daily activity challenge, kind of like I talked about today. So like stuff like that. So check it out, recovery strong. And then I'm definitely going to join yours. What is it? Serbo sober guys, sober girls. Or it's something like that? uh,
0: yeah. So sober guy, sober girl. I think, um, I have a couple of people that kind of help out operate someone, I think someone said there's, there's over like 600 people in there now. So it's grown quite a bit in the last you know year or two, which is really cool, man. People from probably just like you, people from all over the place, which is, which is really neat to see. So, uh, man, Marv, dude, thank you so much again for coming on today, bro. I really, really appreciate it, man. Great stuff.
1: Thank you. And look, everybody, if I could do it, you could do it. I'm nothing special. I lost my ego i got honest, became willing to do whatever the hell I needed to do for my recovery, my life, my health, my fitness, my nutrition. And, and, uh, dude, I have a life now. I'm not just existing. So I'll yeah. leave it at that. It's awesome, man. Drop the ego
0: at the door, man. That's huge right there. Uh, be sure to check us out at, uh, If you're interested in being notified as soon as the, how to navigate the first 90 days of sobriety podcast video course goes live. Uh, you can do that there. It's that sober slash courses or just. Go there and click on courses, man. I am. Uh, I'm just. I'm just grateful for what uh, what God has blessed uh, me with uh, in this platform and being able to connect with great people like Marv and uh, all you guys out there for listening to the show. So thank you. Uh, peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.